Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ashes World. Today, we have a very special guest. Such an honor to have uh, Reverend James Martin here. And we're going to talk about his book, Come Forth, uh, The Promise of Jesus' Greatest Miracle. Uh, thank you for being here. And how are you doing, uh, Reverend? Uh, my pleasure. And it's great to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, wonderful. So I, I want everyone to know that you're a Jesuit Catholic priest, uh, writer, your editor uh, at large of uh, the Jesuit magazine America. Incidentally, the, uh, the name of my wife is America. And uh, oh, I want great. to talk about your book, Come Forth. So I came up with different uh, definitions, what it could mean in, some, in a sense of an invitation, of stepping up, a choice, a decision, courage, movement. Um, facing the world, reality, truth, leaving your comfort zone, standing up to one's true self, as well as starting a, a new life or turning a new leaf. What was your idea behind writing this, this title and choosing this title, Coming For? Well, sure, I would say yes to all those things. Uh, frankly, it, it's about all those things. Uh, the, the book is a, is a kind of deep dive into uh, a story from the Gospels uh, called The Raising of Lazarus, where Jesus raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. But really, as you say, it is a kind of invitation uh, to the reader to, to embrace all the things that you just talked about. Um, the book is, is, I think the theme of the book is really that uh, we are called to leave behind in our tombs, our kind of metaphorical tombs, anything that keeps us bound or unfree or, or dead in any way, uh, and to kind of walk into new life and, and to trust that we are being called into new life to become our, our best selves and our truest selves. I love that. And I, I also love your book is many things. I mean, it's a, a travelogue. It's a, a history book. It's philosophy. It's religion. It's from the point of view of a believer, but also somebody who wants the facts and based on, on history. And uh, very candid, heartfelt, and very engaging. So you also traveled to the tomb of, of Lazarus. Can we talk a bit about that? Yeah, you're right. And I, I do try to put a lot of, uh, you know, obviously uh, facts in the book, but it is also part travelogue too, because I find those books kind of interesting. Also, the book has a lot of pictures and images from uh, uh, current day Bethany, where the story yeah. took place. And yeah, I mean, the story has always fascinated me, and I was able to travel there for the first time about 10 years ago. Uh, and then since then, I've been there leading pilgrimages uh, to this place. And the place always exerts a very powerful pull on people because that story of Jesus raising his friend from the dead, um, you know, 2,000 years ago, uh, still speaks to us today because I think we all feel that there are parts of our life, you know, and as I think a lot of your, your listeners will know, there are parts of our lives that feel kind of dead or stuck. And so the, the story is, is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago, but really something that is relevant to all of us today. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I, I want to get to, to Lazarus, uh, the raising of Lazarus in a moment. But it's also, I felt, again, it's, it's also a self-help book, as, as we talked about it. Also memoir, too, when you talked about your own experience and memories and so on. And I was thrilled, and I love to see that you mentioned Jesus of Nazareth, because that is one of my favorite miniseries. When I was uh, uh, a teen, I, I saw it and I was blown away. And it's really like, it's, it's one of my favorite Jesus movies, if you like, and really inspired me because I thought it was also based on very close to, to the actual scriptures. It wasn't just made up. A lot of it was really uh, based on that. Also other films, uh, of course, uh, An Ostentation of Christ, which I read the book as well and uh, saw the movie. And you mentioning that too. 
as well as for myself, uh, the, the musical Jiskai Superstar in, in many ways also inspired me. So I love the, the portrayal uh, of, of Jesus in, in, in all these three, uh, three works. So what would you say here? What's your experience with uh, any or all of them? Yeah, well, well, thank you so much for mentioning Jesus of Nazareth. We're, we're probably the same age if we saw it as teenagers because that was the that was the the the, the miniseries that for people who don't know it used to run a lot in the it started in 1977. I saw it when I was 16 years old and it ran every for many year years. Every year in Germany we would see it. Every year they would Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Same in the states uh, around Christmas and Easter and it was the portrayal of the raising of Lazarus. Uh, which really uh, sort of got me interested in the story because I thought even more than the resurrection, the way it was portrayed in the in the movie was kind of the dramatic high point. And that just got me thinking like, who is this guy? And who are these two sisters that greet Jesus? And so that got me sort of on a lifelong journey of trying to understand the story, which led to the, the time in the Holy Land to go to the actual tomb, which I talk about, and then also, you know, led to this book. So it was really, it started, I would say, you know, my own introduction to the New Testament started with TV. You know, that, that's how I learned about the New Testament to begin with. I, I played it for my son just recently. It's like, okay, now it's time. You're old enough. You're 15. Let's watch uh, Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, he quite liked it, actually. So that was, that was it, great. Yeah, sir. It, it still holds up. And, you know, you can see that the... the uh, uh, I describe the way that it's portrayed in the um, uh, in the in the miniseries, and you can still find it on YouTube. You can find it for free on YouTube. But I that was the that was the kind of uh, the thing that kind of got me started. But also, I talk in the book about you know how uh, sort of prevalent Lazarus is, and really in 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 fine arts and in in the cultural world. So I do a kind of a cultural history of Lazarus in the fine arts and painting and poetry, and you know again as as we were saying in movies and in even in TV. I want to talk about the actual event. And so and he did raise others as well. But this is the, the one that's mentioned in, in, in John. And um, uh, I was I was wondering about there's also that that feeling. Of why did Jesus wait for a few days? And did he not know that that's going to happen if he waits? And then when he came, why did he go against the order of things? Um, was that a type of, and you mentioned, uh, you, you allude to that, was that a type of like showing a great sign or maybe a publicity stunt of like doing that? Uh, what was uh, what was going on in, in the mind of Jesus, if, if we could say, uh, of, of doing that, of waiting and then doing that event, that miracle, the greatest miracle, as, as you mentioned? Well, that's one of the things I, I talk about in the book, which is that Jesus does wait for a couple of days after he gets word from the sisters that their brother Lazarus is ill. And there's a lot of um, sort of speculation about that. I would say probably the most likely reason is that uh, Jewish belief at the time was that the soul hovered around the body for two or three days. And so, uh, you know, it was clear that by the time Jesus, uh, you know, arrived in Bethany four days later, Lazarus was dead. And he says that the disciples, you know, he's dead. So there's no mistaking what he's doing. Uh, he's raising someone from the dead, not someone who's asleep, not someone who's sick, not someone who's passed out. Uh, and also in John's gospel, um, Jesus is portrayed, you know, there's four different ways of looking at Jesus with the same person, obviously, through the four different gospels. In John's gospel, he's very much in control. And so I think that's part of it. Jesus goes to Bethany when he, when he, when he wants to go to Bethany. Uh, and also what he's doing in, in John's gospel you know, it's not just a miracle for the sake of doing a miracle. It's so that people believe. Uh, and so his this greatest miracle is is to show people that he has power even over death. 
What I also love is just from the point of view of Lazarus, which I never thought before, but reading your book, it kind of like uh, entered my mind. It's like, what must he have felt? And again, it goes back to your title, like coming forth, he's being called upon. He's in another world. He decides to come back. And does he come reluctantly? And in the movie, it's kind of also slow. And in the miniseries, it comes out with the, the music and so on. Is there maybe doubt and hesitation? It's like, why do they want me back? And in Last Temptation of Christ, he gets killed uh, again, right? And so it's, it's, I'm wondering about that. What can we speculate? Because I, again, love psychology too, and so is my audience. So what, what we, could we say about his state of mind, the one of Lazarus? Lazarus? Well, it's a great question because, you know, in a lot of the fictional treatments, one of the things I was surprised to find out, and I talk about this, is how often... In, in novels and in plays and even in poetry, you have Yeats writing about it and all sorts of people, uh, Khalil Gibran, that Lazarus doesn't want to come back, <laughs> which I frankly had never even thought about. I mean, we don't know his state of mind, but, you know, in a sense, Lazarus, you know, is called back to life and really, like all of us, has to make a decision. You know, do I, do I listen to this voice? Do I get up? Uh, and, you know, I know a lot of your listeners are interested in mental health. I think that's a really important thing for, for mental health professionals and for people who are in therapy and struggling with mental health uh, is to trust, you know, that you can change, right? That yeah. you can change through therapy and through, through, through all sorts of, you know, different um, mental health practices that it is possible. And I think that's one thing that Lazarus has to trust. Uh, you know, Lazarus is, you know, there in his, in his tomb. And also you think about Lazarus probably realizing no one has ever done this before. You know what I mean? No one has ever kind of gotten up from the tomb, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust. And I think that's where a lot of people who see therapists, you know, can find a real resonance that, that, that they can trust that they too can get better. A feeling I had when I had a surgery and when I came out of the surgery and suddenly I, I, I felt like, oh, I don't want to be back here. There was this feeling it's like I would have preferred to stay where I was in, in that, that whatever it was, that void and so on. So uh, I, I think that's kind of the comfort zone that we often like we get entrenched in. And it's really important to again come forward, to step back, to step in to the world again. And I think uh, I see it uh, quite fascinating it's, again uh, with your book here. I No, I totally agree. And I say at one point, and, you know, we all struggle with this in terms of mental health, you know, the the old, right, the, the place where we feel kind of comfortable, the, the old patterns, the old sort of uh, behaviors and addictions feel so comfortable that that feels like life, right? Mm -hmm. And that when you think about changing, it almost feels like, you know, letting go of the familiar, letting go of life. And so I say in the book, you know, often, um, you know, death feels like life, the place that we're stuck and life feels like death. And so the, the invitation, you know, is to believe that really there is new life that can be offered to us and that we're really being called to. For the believer, I think it's also remembering that it is God's voice that is calling us to this. It's not, you know, it's not something that simply is a, a self-help project, which is important, right? I mean, that stuff is really important, but that it is a response to an invitation. Yeah, we get, we get trapped in a, in a routine and it seems dull often or just pleasant. But I think life is so much more and I'm waking up more to that myself. And one of the things that I think is important that uh, I love about the, the, the Catholic belief, too, and which the Protestants don't have as much, uh, which is the belief in magic. And I think there is magic all around us. And uh, people who deny that or don't see it is they're missing out on, on a vital part of, of our existence. So. 
And these things are magic. Jesus was was a magician in many ways, and again, meant in the best way possible. And I think we need to have more magic in our lives. We need to have more faith in our lives that things are much more than what we can see with the eye that is apparent to the eye. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that one of the things that's, uh, that people really have to believe in is that, you know, as, as it says in the gospel several times, nothing is impossible with God, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I think miracles are, you know, uh, like miracles like Lazarus, you know, aren't happening, right? Jesus is not here, you know, physically present and raising people from the dead. But that there's miracles that happen all the time. You know, I, uh, interesting experience that I'll share with you. Um, I was, um, uh, seeing someone for spiritual counseling, and over the course of six months, uh, he really changed. He he changed and and became someone who was much more alive and much more free and much more just faithful. And I said to a friend of mine, which I thought was a really interesting insight, I said, "Oh, it's almost like a miracle." And he said, "No, it is a miracle." He said, "I'll never forget this. Is it any less a miracle if it happens over six months?" Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that we see people in the mental health world and and in our own lives who change, right? And it might take, you know, it may not be, you know, immediate like it was for Lazarus, but it may take months and years, but it's still a miracle. It's still miraculous that, that people are able to change that way. So I think we have to believe in that, 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 that trust in that. And that life has so much to offer. And I think when we get sometimes stuck in our way of thinking, which is kind of like uh, based on old patterns and we don't uh, accept the new often or embrace the new, I think that's really important to, to step forward and to enter uh, a territory that may feel uncomfortable and unknown, but it's, it's, it's really necessary, especially. And one of the things I encourage all my listeners to do, I do it myself, is to listen to your intuition. Because I think deep down your intuition it goes back to the to the voice of God, as, as you're saying. And I think we really need to connect with that, especially nowadays. I think that's very true. And I think that God speaks to us in very profound ways uh, in our inner lives. And I think, you know, I often say to people, look, if there is a, a desire for you um, to move into a, a new and freer way of life, if you if you feel a desire to live a more healthy, a more holy, a more uh, sort of grounded, a more centered life, that sounds like it's coming from God and to trust that. So there are lots of different ways that God has of calling us, right? And I would just say this. I mean, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think that the desire for new life and the desire to live a fuller and richer life is coming from God. And so it can come from the outside. You know, you can have people kind of invite you into that. Maybe a a, a therapist or a minister or a priest or a friend can kind of invite you into that and maybe point out ways that you can grow. But I think when you have that desire interiorly, I think that that desire is coming from God. How else would God kind of work within us other than to awaken in us the desire for for new life and for freedom? So I think that's really something to trust. And I totally agree with you. And I, I love what Meister Eckert it says that we need to be empty. We need to empty our, our minds to to let God enter. And I, I, Matthew Fox, uh, the theologian, talked about something very interesting. He says, it's not that, uh, you know, the soul is in the body, but the body is in the soul. And when you invert that, somehow it makes so much more sense. There is so much more to life that we just, again, don't perceive or don't think of. Oh, I think that's right. And I also think that we tend to sort of think that, oh, how could God speak to me? And I don't mean hearing voices or seeing visions, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. You know, what I mean is, is the stuff that you're talking about, just just recognizing the desire within us for a fuller life and to say that this is this is a call, right? This is how God calls us 
today and to be really attentive to that. And, you know, obviously not everything that pops into our mind is from God, right? Um, but I think that those deep desires and those deep longings that, that are really long lasting and, and really have the power to change our lives are coming from God. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Reverend James Martin. Your book is again, Come Forth, The Promise of Jesus' Greatest Miracle. I highly recommend it. Thank you so much for being on Arash's World. Such a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Arash. It's really been a joy to, to speak with you today. Thank you.